do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can all write it and we'll do it live. She cried to the southern wind. About a love that was shooting Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for Some Soccer. My name is Sutter Telney. With me this evening, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd. Pablo is just considering putting on an old episode of American Gladiators and just playing that for an hour instead of doing the pod. I think we were lukewarm on the idea. Just really not in the mood to do this tonight for some reason. Yep, that's all I got. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm expect I'm expecting a strong showing from you then. Lots. Of, We're off to a great start. Lots of witty sure. jokes. Yeah. Oh, great. I'm really excited. Yeah. I think I want to make fun of NYCFC. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm a little more excited now. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Paul's yeah. got a little smile on his face. Yeah. I think that Thomas and I are going to do such a good show that we're going to make up for whatever malaise Pablo is feeling. This is a team. You know, we have to pull each other through through these like, things. You know, we're David Villa. <laughs> You're Jason Hernandez. I fancy myself more of a Thomas McNamara. That's fine. No, <laughs> Thomas McNamara's too good for that comparison. Yeah, I well, know. All, all three of us move during this show about the same amount as Andrea Pirlo during an average <laughs> NYCFC game. I like to see his heat map. He'd it's just like a red on, dot at zoom in on the field. You know, like, keep zooming in on the screen until you see it. Uh, we got to save some of this for when we actually talk about NYCFC. It all. <laughs> but, but to be fair, there's so much material there. Uh, guys, as always, uh, if you want to give us a buzz, 347... 756-6276. Pablo, do we have any restrictions for what we talk about here, or can we talk about anything? Uh, I mean, go ahead. What do you mean? My point being, if you call in. Oh, no, no, obviously. Yeah. Uh, whatever you'd like. Yeah, yeah, I actually, for a second, I thought uh, I Seth had something the... he really wanted to share with us. Yeah. I was... I was wondering where this was going. I, uh, I enjoy the non-soccer calls more than the soccer calls, really. Yeah, I mean, last week we got one about uh, shaving a cat. Yeah, that one was strange. I wasn't really prepared for that one. That's but I did cool. a lot of research on the subject over the past week. I mean, I think week, maybe so. they were referencing my FIFA thing. I don't know. No, I think they just wanted to know about shaving a cat. But it did eventually turn into a conversation about your FIFA cat. Speaking of FIFA, I wanted to briefly bring up something that we discussed at the DC United game. FIFA's ratings for the women's teams in, in, the, in the game for the first time ever leaked. And it would appear the best player in the game is one Abby Wambach, who is about five points higher than the likes of Carly Lloyd. And That's Alex outrageous. I, I liken that to like if uh, you know FIFA 2000, you know 2012 David Beckham had been like a 95. Right. I will say FIFA does have a habit of they they don't want to face reality with aging stars. I think Xavi is still one of the best midfielders in the game. Does this mean they that, really hung on to that? Does this mean that NYCFC is going to be the highest rated team in the next, uh, next year's FIFA? They, they just pretty, might be. Pretty real. They're already in there. You know, I think Pirlo is like a 82 or 83. They're, they're pretty low. Yeah, they know. They know. I mean, Pirlo should be more like a 62 at this point. That's his age, not his player rating. <laughs> right. His speed should be about 12. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get into the uh, DC United business, I think we got to give some dap to Mr. Long Tan. We haven't talked about. What is dap? What is giving dap? Dap, props, 
Okay. No, I mean, I know what props are. What's dap? Dap is just another word for props or, you know, or snaps. Uh, can, can I have the origin, please? I first heard it on PTI. I feel like that's where it really started to uh, enter the mainstream. I'm losing it with these kids. I don't know anymore. I do. Well, yeah. Hip, you hip, have young, your... hip young kids like Tony Kornheiser and Michael <laughs> Wilbon. There's, if there's anything I know about you, it's that you hang out with 14 to 17-year-olds primarily. So, Oh, I'm really resisting the urge to make a Jared Vogel joke. <laughs> it's okay. It's All okay. Right. All right. Let's move on. Thank uh, you for that. Long Tan uh, has set the Arizona United... SC single season scoring record How long with twelve for? goals. Uh, it stood for exactly one year because I think this is their second year as a franchise, and I believe it might have been held by Long Tan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, twelve goals this year. Excellent performance from Mr. Tan. I, I have to imagine the the bigger clubs have been sniffing around. You know the AZ United you training think, sessions. Right? You know who didn't have an excellent performance though was the commentator on Lontan's goal call. Uh, I think we'd like to share that right now. We'll have the throw in. Here's Chiva. Chiva loses possession. Rosales tracks it down. Rosales right foot. In the box, headed in, score, 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 long hand, buries it with the header, how sweet it is, yeah, young man, you can go crazy. Yeah, young man, you could go crazy. <laughs> I feel like we're in agreement that it's the third score that really raises this just to another level. Of I think a bad all, goal call. I think they're all pretty absurd, but but yeah, T- two is too many. Three is <laughs> really went all in on over on the score. Top. Yeah. Uh, so what are we what are we talking about? There's surely there's some DC United uh, former former supporter shield leaders DC United <laughs> to t- stuff to talk about. Yeah, DC United on Saturday they uh, they hosted San Jose Earthquakes who were coming off a. win at Sporting Kansas City and uh, they continued their their good run on the the road by defeating D.C. United 2-0. United conceded a goal in the fourth minute and... Which is, uh, they they really, they resisted for those first first three minutes. uh, Held strong, a real improvement from past games. Oddly enough, that is actually an improvement uh, from their previous two home games. Uh, They conceded in the first minute to RSL, or was it Uh, first minute minute against RSL and Philly? Second minute against Philly? Uh, Yeah, something like that. It was all all bad. Yeah, Uh, and then if you go back to the game before that, it was the 10th minute against New England. So all in all, their last four home games, they have conceded a goal within 10 minutes in all of them. And uh, in one of them, they were actually 2-0 down. Uh, if you if you stretch that to 15 minutes, it's nine over the course of the year. It's, it's deplorable. It's ins- yeah. it's insane. I've um, never seen anything like this. Yeah, like, and of course the the craziest aspect is that in those previous three home games, DC United actually won. Right, and that they still <laughs> have a winning record this year in games where they're trailing at halftime. Like that that's, statistic that's is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a couple weeks ago. 
Ben Olsen was talking about, I thought this might be the week that we learned our lesson. I think it was against Philadelphia when they went down 2-0, but they came back and won. So it was actually this week when they finally learned their lesson. Uh, San Jose scored right before, uh, right after the beginning of the game and then right after the beginning of the second half. Uh, they go on to win 2-0. Uh, not a great performance to D.C. United. Second loss in a row. Overall, I thought there was some good stuff. That was not from Ben Olsen's post-game press conference after this one. He was, he was a, a little a little more tense, a little more like the second soundbite than the first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nope. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I, was, I was in the other locker room with Dom Kinnear, who was in a better mood. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I commented to Thomas right after the game that uh, – it, it may have been their worst performance of the year. Um, yeah, I can't I really. Was, think I was actually of, shocked that they got that many shots on goal. Yeah, and uh, you, you think about it, Sabario just misses two sitters, and the header was those and the header was completely like inexcusable. Different. I mean, yeah, and it's uh, you feel like of all players, you would think that Sabario would finish a header from that range, wide open, uncontested. Yeah, at you the know. other end of the field, Wando was like, "See, happens to the best of us." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's not even. Yeah, it Sa- didn't even compare to Wando's. <laughs> Sabario, I mean, he's been, he's been mostly good. He's he's definitely scored since he came here. But uh, now back to back games where he's made some big errors. Of course, he had the the giveaway to lead to uh, New York City FC's winner uh, last week, and then this week you saw him miss two chances that he would normally bury and uh, could have got DC United at least a point in this one. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. You wonder if it's just a fluke game, and he always has been a streaky forward yeah, all, all the way back to his RSL days, which were so long ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, he and a spindle of both. Right? Yeah, so you know, maybe you you take this and you figure he's a player with a short memory, put it in the past, and he can kind of get on a roll in an instant, and he's shown the ability to do that in the past. Yeah, uh, I had an interesting conversation with Chris Rolfe after the game. Um, uh, well, I had a, a very short conversation with Ben Olsen at the press conference. Where <laughs> I, I asked, like, I like how Ben he started his press conference because you knew that the first question and most of the questions were going to be about why they keep conceding early. And he just started off. He's like, "Okay, why we concede early? What did he say?" He was just like, uh, it's, "We got to work on it. I gotta, I, we'll go back and we'll work on it." Yeah, there was next question. Yeah, no. So then I asked there. him, you know. As as reporters do, I tried to phrase it, a, you know, to extract information. I said, you know, you guys had 24 shots. So you could only steer four of them on target. Can you put your finger on, you know, why that was? Is there a particular reason? And he just looks at me and just goes, yeah, it would help if we put them on, on goal. <laughs> Next question. So, anyways. Uh, it, it, you, you just knew it was one of those nights when the press conference started. You're like, okay, the, he's going to be like this. Ben so. wasn't the only one frustrated. Yeah. I, had a, I had a good chat with Chris Rolfe where he – made two points um on the defensive side he said uh i've never been on a team that gives up goals this early i've and never been on one to and which my response would be i don't know if anyone has this yeah other than the <laughs> DC United. other than his current dc united teammates uh and as on the offensive side i said you know why do you think you know it's worth noting that rolf is rolf is one of united's only sort of rocks offensively you know continuous presences he's been in the 11 probably 90 95 percent of the games this year um and his comment was well you know it's hard it's hard sometimes when the lineup keeps changing you know you don't 
you don't sort of know what to look for around you. And if you get the ball 20, 25 yards out, you're more inclined just to pick your head up and shoot than you are to sort of try and carve out a better opportunity. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting statement, obviously. And, and maybe, and this is, this is purely speculation on my part, but maybe a bit of an indictment on Olsen, you know, although obviously Ben's had his, his hand played with injuries and, you know, CONCACAF, all kinds of other competitions mm. as for, you know, the uh, suspensions as far as the rotation goes, but still, I mean, I think it'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a player on the field uh, any given night that wouldn't rather just play consistently with the same 10 guys, you know? Yeah. And you look at uh, your MLS cup winners recently, uh, the galaxy, you know, when they get down the stretch, they always have a consistent 11 that they stick with throughout the entire postseason. Like, that's a Bruce Arena staple. The year yeah. Kansas City won, they were doing it with the same 11 game in, game out. So, uh, obviously, you know, those teams went through their fair share of rotation as well. So, uh, you know, in, uh, from that perspective, as long as United figures out their best 11 by the postseason and gets people healthy then it's not as big a concern, but they do need to figure out what their best lineup is and, and that there are going to be some tough questions when they have to figure out, you know, does Pontius or Deleon start? You know, who are your center backs? Who's your defensive midfielder with a guy like Marcus Halstey healthy? There are a lot of questions. And, and on on the bright side, a lot of options to maybe mix things up and try to fix these uh, these problems. Yeah, it... Uh... By the way, if you're listening, I know there's some frustrated DC United fans out there. Feel free to call us and tell us what you think is wrong with DC United. What you think is wrong with a team that has five points first place in the Eastern Conference? Three four seven seven five six six two seven six for yeah. your complaints. So, what, I mean, what are our thoughts on this weird issue that keeps cropping up? I, it's weird because it seems to be happening mostly at home where they give up these early goals. Yeah. In the last couple away games, they've actually got the first goal. So why is it that four straight home games, they come out and concede within 10 minutes? It's, it's just it's bizarre. I have, I have, I, a, I have no idea. I, 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 you might have noticed this too, Seth, like talking to players in the locker room. They have no idea. I mean, Kofi Opari, Dave Yarno both – made the same sort of half-joking statement, which was, uh, if you have any idea, let me know. Yeah, right. Because we don't know. I mean... I have a theory. That it's the coach's job to find out that? <laughs> because that's my theory. Like, uh, I would think that on the road, particularly with Benny's history, he comes out very conservative, very defensive. And at home, they play more free and attack-minded. And recently... They've been playing that free attack-minded way, but they don't really have the pieces to make it work. So they aren't getting possession in the attacking third, and they're just vulnerable at the back right off the bat. And also... Uh, I think Thomas just figured it out. Yeah. Um, uh, ben, are you listening? <laughs> and also, um, you know, uh, as Andrew Dykstra has been in goal for, I believe, all of these early goals conceded and you know none of them have particularly been his fault but also you know they're all he's like somewhat to blame on all of them he he could have done better uh on the goal uh this past saturday the the wandalowski opener and you can kind of say that about all the goals he concedes and you wonder if they have bill healthy that if he makes a big save early on to kind of just change the tone of the game so i asked thomas before the podcast because we were sort of talking about this if he could name you know, one or two goalkeep backup goalkeepers in MLS who are 
better than Andrew Dykstra because you had suggested that, w- that it, United would do well to find a better backup. I feel like they should at least have a veteran competition. Like I, I thought it was odd that you know. I mean, Dy- you're never Dykstra- going to have veteran well, competition with Hamid. Well, no, I mean with just for, with Dykstra. because Dykstra did well last year with Joe Willis breathing down his neck, right? Uh, and term- we'd all do well with Joe Willis <laughs> breathing down our neck. Uh, whereas Travis Wara is a player who just uh, you know he's an undrafted rookie. You know he you know, did what he needed to do in his only appearance for the team. But aside from that, he's just not a guy who's really going to push for the backup job. And I think that they're a team that maybe, you know, in retrospect, especially if they had known how much Bill would be injured, they may have tried to go after more of a a veteran presence to try to push uh, Dykstra for the backup job. Because you look at... You know, there are some, you know, obviously every team doesn't have a wonderful backup, but there are guys like John Bush and Troy Perkins and uh, Brad Knighton and uh, even Chris Seitz. You know, there there are solid backup goalkeepers around MLS, and, and you and if Hamid is going to continue having these injury problems, maybe DC looks to bring in a guy like that to compete with Dykstra and push him and, and really add some competition for that backup spot. Well, I think you you bring up the bigger issue, which is Hamid's injury trouble. And this is becoming something of a concern this year because these injuries are popping up again and again and again. And now he's missing significant time. This time, Olsen said that it was a a flare-up from his knee from the surgery he had a few weeks back, which caused him to miss a few games. It didn't sound too concerned that he was going to miss much time, but I think as as a United fan, this is officially becoming a a concern that you can't seem to get Hamid in in net for more than a few games at a time. Yeah, I mean, you wonder if it's a thing where Ben talks a lot about being cautious with injuries and not rushing guys back, but you wonder if it is a thing where he's just going to have to miss three months. Or something, you know what I mean? Well, I think that that was the idea behind his most recent absence was he had... Maybe it wasn't long enough. (laughs) Well, yeah, he had surgery on both his hand and his knee. They were basically saying, okay, he's got a couple little nagging concerns. We're going to clean them both up at the same time. We're going to keep him out as long as he needs to be so he's good for the stretch run. And now here we are getting towards the stretch run, and he's missing time off the back of that surgery yeah. still. I, uh, I asked Twitter, by the way, what was wrong with DC United, and Phil Nagley says that they give up too many goals in the first 15 minutes. So appreciate that observation, That's Phil. That's true. You know what? He's right. You can't, you can't argue with that. <laughs> Um, you know, hey guys, we have a caller. So somebody answered my, somebody answered my please. Uh, four oh four, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hello, guys. Hey, how's it going? I'm all right. Um, so when a toilet gets clogged, what does it mean? Uh, that it's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I used one today at work. And all I did was was go number one, but it's still flooded. Like, what could cause it? I'm gonna have to defer to Pablo on this one. Uh, I mean, it's full of shit somewhere down there. <laughs> I'm not sure what to tell you. You know. Okay. Um, and uh... you want to ask us anything about Jurgen Klinsmann or? <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to say, does he have a future with the U.S. Men's National Team? I think he's got a, yeah, I think it's he's, a, I think he's a, got a future. It's a great question. Oh God, God bless our fans, um, Trevor. If you could, if you could eject this person from the planet. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, 
we do say call for any reason, so yeah. it's kind of on us. I, I just poor guy. In his I, toilet, well, I, you know. I just think in in this particular. By the way, also instance, who says who says number one? I didn't really uh, have the answer. I went number one. Anyway, what's wrong with that? I did know this that Seth deferred to uh, to Pablo. Is that? Why, why would he I think be it's more, because it was more inclined like a, to a, answer a quasi, janitorial question? Quasi-mechanical kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, he thought it might be like, oh, well, it's like the, you know, release, <laughs> blah, 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 you know? <laughs> you, Checked you, the radiator on that toilet. You did, yeah, exactly. you did randomly. Did you perform the 15,000-mile maintenance service on your toilet? 15,000-shit <laughs> service. Yeah. The first time you came to my new apartment, I was talking about how loud our elevator is, and you randomly had a thorough mechanical explanation for why that was. It's the way it works. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're a mechanic, you just uh, take an interest in all things mechanical, I guess. I don't know. So, Speaking of toilets, DC United <laughs> going to New Jersey this weekend. Bo, 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 bo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Match up with the uh, New York Red Bulls. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Are uh, you guys going? New York. I'm going if anybody wants to ride. You're going to be in Italy. I'm going to be in Italia. Thomas? I'll probably be uh, on my couch. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a big one because uh, be the, the the Red Bulls have have passed DC United for points per game. So, in that sense, they're they're leading the chase for the first place in the Eastern Conference. Of course, in in MLS in the playoff landscape this year, the second place spot is what's really important. The difference between second and third is so much bigger than first and second. Yeah, the, except for that CCL berth, and you know, yeah, that. I mean. Whatever that's worth. The well, privilege of playing Montego Bay United. <laughs> the fact that we're not even – we literally haven't even mentioned that game and it's tomorrow yeah. is, uh, is I interesting. I kind of keep forgetting about it. I I wonder uh, what lineup Benny's going to roll out. It's uh, Jared Jeffrey time, maybe a little Colin Martin. Yeah, I mean um, – They need the – Why didn't Martin play in the last game? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he had. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna roll out the exact same lineup he did against Panama. I think. I mean, has, has Colin Martin been getting any playing time at all this year with anyone? I think he's gets loaned out to Richmond occasionally. He had surgery at one point. Oh, that's right. So. He was out for the entire year, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah. Here, here's an interesting uh, question off Twitter. Actually, it's something maybe I'd have put it in the outline if I'd remembered. Um, LA, LA versus New York, and then uh, you know the, the 13, 13 or fourteen foreign-born players on the field. And I think I saw something today that said for the first time in the league's history, over fifty percent of players in MLS are foreign-born. Any thoughts? Hmm, I mean, aside that, from you know building the wall, which I think we're all in favor of, right? right? Yeah, Trump twenty sixteen. Only if Trump does it. I don't want like a half-assed wall. Yeah, yeah. Allocation money's for losers. Have we dis- have we discussed what uh Don- loser. what Donald Trump's uh hey, possible just- immigration policy, what kind of effect that's going to have on the US national team? Can we quickly just talk about what a Donald Trump owned MLS franchise would look like? Any ideas? It'd be the classiest franchise around, that's for sure. <laughs> right, I think it'd be like a lot of gold-plated things, you know, helicopter rides. There'd be stuff a like that. huge stadium. Cheerleaders, lots of cheerleaders. I mean, it would be like a uh, the, he would reprise the Team America concept from NASL, where it's only American-born players, right? No, I he think. he would just call it Team America. Yeah. What do you uh, think I, the the ethnic uh, makeup of his like concession workers would be? <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas? Well, he's got. There's a bit of a paradox there. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Anyways. 
Anyway, Trump 2016. Trump 2016. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're trying to say. Well, I mean, Jindal 2016, but he doesn't have a chance, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So bummed out, man. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Anyways. Uh, no, let's, <laughs> let, I mean, we should talk about this uh, LA-New York match transition because uh, it was certainly a spectacle. You know what I love? For sure. I love let's the, just say I that. I love the buildup to that match and the league is out and everybody, ESPN, all, you know, are all out there on Twitter building this thing up. And, like, you just knew it was going to be a bloodbath. Like, you knew the game wouldn't be competitive I, at all. The first, like, 15 minutes were pretty good. Yeah. I yeah, mean, they, New York was coming off in a way draw at Columbus, which was a credible result. And before that, they beat D.C. United. Yeah. So as, as the, bad as the they... the worst team in the league, yeah. Right. They, yeah, but as, as bad as the result was for New York yesterday, they at least came off the back of a couple decent results. But, I mean, I, I think... The question when watching that game yesterday is, was this just the Galaxy showing that they're miles and miles ahead of every other team in MLS, or was it more chinks in the armor of of New York City FC? I mean, the cop-out answer I'm going to give is it's it's both. Um, But I'd say it's more NYC FC, just this team isn't making the playoffs. I wanted to make that clear. Orlando's not making the playoffs. The Eastern Conference playoff slots have been determined. It's all because of Montreal and their yeah. fucking games play thing. Exactly. I, I think people, if anybody who's out of the playoff picture, should be focusing on catching TFC, which also isn't going to happen. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I feel like, uh, yeah, I've uh, people who... I feel like I've seen a lot of playing up the battle for the last playoff spot. And it, to be fair, right now it's a three-way tie for the last playoff spot. In which one of those teams has played four fewer games. So that, I mean, that really, you know, adds, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it would be, it would be shocking if we had any change to the Eastern Conference playoff field between now and the end of the season. Guys, our, our uh, toilet friend at 404 is called back. Uh, welcome to Hawaii for some soccer. How can we help you? Okay, this time I'm, I'm actually going to be serious if that's okay with you guys. Uh, let's see what you got. I've got my all finger. Right, I've got my finger on the button. All right, keep it clean. <laughs> keep it clean. Or right. I'll keep it, Mister Clean. So, um, when you guys mentioned like backup uh, goalkeepers, the first two keepers that came into my mind were Chris Seitz sometimes and Brian Rowe from the Galaxy. Like those, those were the first that came to my mind. Um, Rose's well, not bad. Yeah. And Jeff, like Jeff Antonella, too. Yeah, Antonella's, uh, he's, been, he's been solid for RSL. He had a stretch recently where he allowed, like, nine goals in two games. Or it was even more. It was, like, 11 goals in two games, but it wasn't his fault. Yeah, Antonella's pretty good. Have you considered applying for the job of general manager at D.C. United? Um, I live in Atlanta, so I don't know how the hell that'll work. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, to get in with Lenny, are, are you a are you a future Atlanta United fan? No, I'm actually a Galaxy fan. Uh, oh wow! Believe it or not. Interesting. Yep. Do you, do you miss Jaime Pinedo? A little bit. Uh, I recently, when he signed for LA, that was when I actually paid more attention to LA because before he signed, he last played in Guatemala with, you know, a club that I followed 
uh, very closely. And so, you know, he was a really good player then. And then when I fought, and then when he came to LA, I started following LA. And since he left, you know, I've fallen in love with LA even more. What's her name, by the way? My name's Daniel. Daniel. Okay, Daniel. Uh, we appreciate the call. Both calls. Both okay. calls. Especially that Bye, first guys. one was great. See ya. Uh, yeah. Speaking of LA, I mean, we do have to give them some dap. Some props, some snaps. Uh, Even Leonardo is, is playing like, is well. Is DAP an acronym? Is it just like... No, it's just a word. D-A-P. I'm going to look like, it up. Like they are is this like dope-ass props or something like that? All right. I'm going to look it up. But they are they are clicking on all cylinders. It is a lot, a lot of fun to watch. This I was is just, the time of year. It happens every fucking year when you watch a Galaxy game and you're just like, who the hell is going to beat the Galaxy this year? Yeah. And it doesn't. It never ends up being anybody. I so. actually well, – this reminds me of a game several months ago when they were playing at Orlando City and Orlando City just thrashed them. Right. And everyone was like, look at the Galaxy. They stink this year. It's not going to happen for them. And I remember just thinking, just wait until like August when yeah. they're back on top of the league. It's I'm, just I'm, inevitable. Like anyone who said who says that is either really trying to amp up just the hashtag hot take factor, or they have not watched MLS at any point over the last twenty years. Yeah, I mean they're 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 slow starters. It happens every year. They kind of come out of the gate and get some poor results, and everyone thinks maybe. This is the year that they become like a mid-table team, and always by the end of the year, it seems like they're just firing at all cylinders. It's uh, it's not just me, right? Like you're you're already sort of in your head visualizing being in LA for the final, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've already been thinking about photo projects I can do. I mean, it's ridiculous. I might just buy a ticket, like you know. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna stay I in the dojo again. For, for the <laughs> you should get the dojo again. Yeah. I mean, for the purpose of variety, I, I would kind of like it to be somewhere different this year. But where, where would you, what's, what would your top choice be? RFK. <laughs> I mean, if seriously, you'd rather stay here. RFK <laughs> would collapse. I you, yeah, uh, a non DC pick. My top choice is uh, don't say Dallas. I know you really want Dallas. <laughs> I I would say Seattle or Vancouver. Seattle would be. Dope. But I'd rather do a, a city I haven't been to, though. Yeah, that's my thing is I've been to Vancouver, so Seattle is my, my top choice. And then I would – it wouldn't be bad to have an East Coast MLS Cup. I've never – I haven't been to one since, like, 2007. I mean, New York would be cool. Yeah, New York would be cool. So <laughs> Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> Just, not, not, not Boston. Oh, oh God! No Foxborough, please. No Foxborough. Oh, yeah. No. As much as I uh, like the idea of Crew Stadium having a big event, I don't want to go to one in December. Um, yeah, there's only there's only one big event that should be at Crew Stadium, and that's yeah. okay. So, th- so this DAP is you're sort of misusing it because I guess according to Urban Dictionary, it means it's like when you fist bump. You know, when you see somebody like. I don't know if that. Urban Dictionary definition is inclusive of all interpretations of how DAP should be used. It's one of the finest like news sources in the entire <laughs> world. The knocking of fists together as a greeting or form of respect. Okay, well, I have lots of respect for boom, boom, for the yeah. galaxy yeah. and for Long Tan. I mean, I I'd like to see what Bruce Arena would do if you tried to give him some DAP. Yeah. Get that fucking paw away from me. Yeah, I mean, every, everything's working for the Galaxy right now. As Thomas mentioned, even Leonardo looks like a MLS Best 11 player. Uh, you got A.J. De La Garza, who is having another under-the-radar excellent season, kind of glue that holds that Galaxy backline together. 
And once again, just like last year, I think that the Galaxy's big weakness is their goalkeeper. It's a different goalkeeper, but I wouldn't trust Donovan Ricketts if I were a Galaxy fan. Yeah. Everybody knew this. Like, <laughs> well, I, I feel like everybody knew this. But their, their starting goalkeeper, who was mediocre to begin with, leaves midseason apparently out of nowhere. I mean, it was very abrupt. So I don't know how many better contingency plans they would have had. Yeah. Right. And, of course, the the important thing is it's probably not going to matter, just like it right. didn't matter when they had Josh Saunders in goal. It didn't matter when they had Jaime Pinedo in goal. It, or five goals. I mean, It, yeah. it did matter when they had Carlo Cudicini in goal. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a limit to this. But Can we can we just talk about how bad NYCFC has played? <laughs> Still waiting. I wanted to quickly bring up Sebastian Legette. Oh, yeah. Of he, he's very good. He is very good. He might be... I mean, just just another yeah. case though. The Galaxy go out and find a player who had, didn't have basically any first team minutes for years, you know, and they just mine this dude, and he's incredible. In the yeah, US. and I, I mean, obviously, he's be at, back in the U.S. national team picture at some point. Yeah, I mean, ob- obviously, yeah. The, the Premier League is a level uh, like, like above <laughs> MLS, but it does make you wonder like, why he couldn't ever get even a chance at West Ham. You know, for for years he was close. He was like. Making the match day roster I, once or twice every year. I he watched was, an FA Cup game. He played in once. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was, It was like a you know uh, Loch Ness monster sighting. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing you like record on a VHS cassette. <laughs> yeah, like, I put mean, your closet. Like as as good as he looks right now, as much confidence as he has, it's it seems hard to imagine that he didn't even really get a chance with the first team at, at West Ham. And, yeah. you know, we're not talking about Arsenal or Chelsea here. Like, West Ham, I mean, they're okay, but it's not, like, a team where it's full of international superstars. Like, it's a, it's a team that has promoted a lot of young players through the ranks over the years, and you would think that Legit would have gotten a chance. But, you know, Bruce Arena is pretty happy right now that he didn't get a chance. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, how much has the U.S. program benefited and continued to benefit from having Bruce Arena in MLS? Just like, like finding players and developing them into national team players. Like you look at Omar, Zardes, Legette, it, even like down the pipeline, guys like uh, Villarreal and Sordo in the in the Galaxy system who are kind of part of the youth national team setup. Yeah, I mean, he's turned Robbie Rogers into a guy who's knocking on the door for another national team call-up at a different position than yeah. he played before. I wish Rogers would overlap a little bit more. He, like gets, forward really, the, he gets forward a pretty good amount. I'm going to get forward more. Okay. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Anyways. Yeah. Can, can we talk about where... Um, Frank Lampard and Andrea Pirlo stand at the Pantheon of worst MLS DPs ever. It's hard to it's hard to know which one of them is doing NYCFC more damage. Is is Lampard doing them damage by missing time, or is is no, Pirlo I mean, I doing Lampard them more? Is doing them, or he's helping. Lamp, he's doing them a solid by keeping Poku on the field. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. Like, well, right. I mean, that is the question, is if Lampard's ever healthy again, who does he replace in the lineup? I still don't think you can take Poku out. I, I would imagine... You don't sit Pirlo. I mean, how do you... You don't sit Pirlo. I, I, think, think, I think it might be Mix. It, it might be Mix, and... I mean, but even in that scenario, who goes who goes out wide? You you realize... Yeah. I was talking to, to one of our colleagues about this uh, last week, and I, I we talk, we're talking about the same thing. You know, you have to keep Poku on the field. Who do you take off when all these guys are healthy? And he made an interesting point, which was like half joking, but it's actually kind of serious. Like you realize that right now, 
in somewhere in the Middle East, there's like people sitting around a table saying like, "How will this lineup decision affect our jersey sales?" And like, you know, don't you just kind of get the feeling that that's how the whole club is run? I mean, how much control does Jason Christ really have at the end of the day? I, I, you think I he's I, absolute. I mean, you know. I think at this point, I don't think he's. Maybe I, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm not saying that I, somebody is calling the locker room and saying, who are you starting tonight, Jason? Like, But I'm saying that I think he feels pressure probably from, you know, other places to keep these guys in the game. And, you know, they're, they're named players. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when you have players like this, particularly Pirlo, as bad as he's been, and he has been awful, he started the Champions League final two months ago. Like, he is the player who should be much better than he is. You feel like he's well, going to so wake up. Right, right? you just I mean, keep like, plugging him in the lineup, and he adjusts and gains fitness, and hopefully and, that pans yeah, out. Yeah, and he's the kind of person where you could literally see him just like a switch flipping. And e- even, if he's, even if he's sort of out of the flow of the game, he still has the ability just to make it kind of like Beckham in a way, to like to make a pass – that nobody else on the field can make. Well, here, here's you know. the thing about the Champions League final. To, to Chris Rolfe. Andrea Pirlo played for Juventus. And next to him in the center of midfield, he had Paul Pogba and Arturo Vidal. These are two of the best ten central midfielders in the world. And both of them are workhorses. So you're telling, me, so you're telling me Andrew Jacobson. Tommy McNamara is not Paul Pogba? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, do I don't think Andrea Pirlo is that much different than the player who started that Champions League final three months ago. I think he's pretty much the same player who was dropped into a situation that he was not suited for yeah, I mean, by, these play, by these people from the Middle East who are putting together a roster more for publicity and jersey oh, There we sales. go again with the, the xenophobia tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but these people from the Middle East. It, um, no, I think uh, I, I do think you're right. I also think I mean you just go back historically. Every team that he's been been on has been sort of built around him, and it's because you have to do that. Yeah, you know, right. like I think he's not the kind of player that you plug in after assembling other pieces. But I mean, but, but also when he repeatedly passes the ball straight to the other team in terrible spots, yes. is that on him not having workhorses I, I around I, him? I genuinely I genuinely like you a lot of the blame has to go to him. He, does, he, the, he looks so casual out yeah. there and not in a not in a good way cuz sometimes he looks casual in a good way yeah, like that's it's effortless but now it's more like casual and i'm gonna try to make an incredibly risky pass 30 yards from my own goal because i don't care i mean ca- casual in a yeah i'm getting paid seven million dollars a year to play pickup soccer uh basically i just can't yeah. understand that mentality though and i was talking to leander about this the other day like you how do you get to that point in your career you don't just switch it off like you're, you've, you've, Andrea Pirlo, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, you know, David Villa, all these players, they got where they are because they literally never switched that off. I mean, it, you really think they just get to this league and they're just like, oh, well, I could just put it on cruise control now. I, they don't know what cruise control is. I feel like, like I feel like it, it's possible that every now and then there could be a player who switches it off. And I'm starting to fear that Pirlo is that player. I think when, yeah. we, when we look back on it's not, Pir- it's not who I expected it would be. When we look back on Pirlo's time in MLS, I think the quintessential highlight will in be two weeks will be the <laughs> the LA Galaxy's <laughs> third goal scored by Giovanni Dos Santos, where Santo, Dos Santos was making a run through the midfield, and Pirlo was the guy who was tracking him. 
Pirlo just jogs as Dos Santos sprints by him. Dos Santos is sent in behind the defense on a through ball, and rather than trying to catch up to him, Pirlo actually just stopped and put his hand up for offside, even though Dos Santos was about two to three yards onside. And I think that just kind of summed up what Pirlo's been like in MLS so far. And and that, sadly, is... uh... I mean, that's like one of three highlights that immediately come to mind for Pirlo directly costing NYCFC a goal. He had the direct giveaway, the the sent DC United on a break, and then one of the Red Bulls goals uh, began with a a play where Pirlo just had, it was either a bad giveaway or Pirlo just pulled out of a tackle for no reason. I mean, he's just been kind of a low-light real machine so far in MLS. So we have a, a comment from Daniel on Twitter. Uh, Lampard fucked up when he spent time in Man City rather than joining NYCFC at the beginning. I think it's it's an important point to make. And I, I, I dug up a quote from, from Jason Kreiss uh, from January when they announced that Lampard was going to be staying on. This will be good. <laughs> As I said before, the decision was made by our parent company, and it was a decision that was made for the best of the entire group, so we support the decision and move on. Though myself and Claudio Reyna, through myself and Claudio Reyna, it was a decision that was made by the entire group. We have to provide our opinion, what we think, and what we want, but we also support the decision. It's all one group. So this is this. It's yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it's it's basically parroting the company line, which was that it was a mutually beneficial thing at the time. It seemed absurd, and now that Lampard is coming in after a full season and can't stay on the field, it's even more absurd. And uh, I mean, I also want to bring up the fact that Lampard stayed behind and through his entire first MLS season into chaos, basically, so he could sit on the bench and make 10-minute cameos off the bench for a Manchester City team that was almost immediately eliminated from the Champions League after he signed back on and crashed out the Premier League race as well. Like, he did, there wasn't even that much to gain from keeping him around. Like, they, he, uh, the City group, and also Lampard himself, because this all happens with his, you know, approval. Like, he could have vetoed I, I, I any on, of this. I put this on, I put most of this on him. Right. Like, since the beginning. Like, I mean, he, like, he, to a degree, decided that him playing 10 minutes for Manchester City to, like, maybe kind of help them in a far-fetched run at the Champions League and Premier League titles was more important than being right there at the beginning for an expansion team that he was supposed to be a real building block for. Trevor says, just wait until Christ gets the call that Melbourne have bought Poku. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this yeah. is, I mean, this is the the, the problem with, with Lampard. You know, for everything we've been saying about Pirlo, at least he signed and got over here as quickly as he could and started playing. I mean, Lampard basically started with two strikes against him. Like, he was going to have to be almost flawless in order to make it worth New York City's while. And, of course, he's been anything but. He's barely even played. Yeah, and, I mean, he's 37, uh, turns 38, uh, you know, before the end of his contract. Like, he he had a very small window to make an impact with NYCFC anyway. He's not like David Villa, who Villa could have a Henri or Beckham-like career in MLS where they come here at an age where they can be a, you know, all you know all-star caliber player for five six years like Lampard his window is just one or two years and he looked it looks like he just threw away the first year of that and it you know it's 
increasingly look like he he is just like dead weight on that roster, keeping them from signing a better, more practical DP. Yeah, let's let's move on from NYCFC to uh, the Western Conference playoff race in the last 15 minutes here. Um, we'll get back to the uh, San Jose Earthquakes, who of course beat DC United. Uh, but Thomas was mentioning this before, and, and, and San Jose right now is is really on a roll and has a very favorable looking schedule uh, through the uh, the rest of the year. So it looks like San Jose has a really good chance of making the playoffs at the expense of a team that we thought was definitely going to be in the playoffs, and that was uh, Seattle Sounders or FC Dallas. Right, and maybe even the Timbers. Maybe, maybe yeah. Portland. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think about, and it's a real, I guess, tribute to an extent to just the the sheer depth of the Western conference and how much, how many teams are out there that would have made the playoffs in the East, you know, almost, almost the entire Western conference aside from maybe Colorado and I don't know, maybe RSL might've, I, I still think even RSL probably gets into the playoffs in the Eastern conference. Yeah. Well, RSL right now has 32 points and uh, Montreal who is in the uh, sixth and final playoff spot, 28 points. RSL is a uh, second from bottom in, in the West. Right. I mean, that is, I mean, that says it all. And that's with having the tougher schedule where you're playing more Western Conference teams. So, uh, But it, it is interesting how San Jose really has surged out of nowhere. They were in this 0-5-1 stretch. Looked like they were just kind of going to fade into obscurity. And then all of a sudden, they win three games in a row, two on the road against two of the top teams in the league. And now they have seven of the last nine games at home. Like, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, it would, and it Thomas, would, and you're, you're, uh, you're uh, riding on, on a guy who was a very under-the-radar signing but seems to be someone who's really benefited San Jose a whole lot, and that's Annabelle Godoy, the uh, Panamanian international who slotted into the center midfield next to Fatai Olashe. Yeah, very small sample size, but based on three games, first off, the eye test, he obviously just makes them a much more sound defensive team, uh, better in possession, and then also just looking at some of the opt-in numbers, he, you know, again, small sample size, but he's up there on par with the top D mids in the league, like in Alonzo and Dax McCarty. So he, he's looking like, a, you know, he's one of those players who could be a sneaky, like newcomer of the year candidate. There's always one or two players who are late season signings and only play like 12 or 13 games, but make it onto that short list because of, you know, the impact they make in helping a team make the playoffs. And he really makes them a lot better. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, I'm interested how he compares to, Perry Kitchen, or we just like expand on this a little bit in general because I know you sort of took a look at Perry's numbers this year too, and I just something seems off with his performances this year. I think he gets, seems to give the ball up easily, gets frustrated on defense, commits silly fouls. Uh, you know, and that's that eye test you were talking about. I mean, statistically, how is he doing? Yeah, statistically, his numbers are a bit down from last year, and uh, he's actually, yeah. He's in the lower tier of everyday defensive midfielders in MLS. You know the the game in game out starters. He's kind of you have the guys at the top are you know Osvaldo Alonso, Janino, Kyle Beckerman, Dax McCarty, Matias Laba, um, even like uh, Darwin Sarin. Are those are the guys who consistently get the numbers like uh, pass percentage, recoveries, interceptions, duels, wands, all those gritty numbers that, you know, in the past it's always been hard to quantify um, defensive midfielders. But 
you know, recently those statistics, I mean, those go in line with the players who consistently are kind of uh, thought of as the top D-mids in the league. And in those statistics, Perry's really lagged behind this year. And partially, it's DC United's style of play. They've really gone kind of all in on the Benny ball, particularly because the spindle has been out for so long, so they kind of have to try to play ugly. But you, you, you get the sense that maybe this is a season where he hasn't quite taken the step forward that if you're a DC United fan or if you're a U.S. national team fan, you would have wanted to see him make a little more progress than he has this year. Thank great, you. Great, Thank you. Great point. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, so breaking down the, the the race for the last Western Conference playoff spots, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, L.A. and Vancouver are right up there. Uh, it looks like they look like about shoe-ins to make it. But uh, everyone else, is, it's kind of it's kind of tight in there. It's going to be a little bit of a dogfight. Uh, now, the one thing is that it doesn't look like the likes of Houston, Real Salt Lake, and Colorado are going to really be able to challenge. So what you're going to end up with is – you know, three or four, you're going to look at three or four teams for like three spots, something like that. And uh, you wonder if, if Seattle, you know, we thought, we talked about them last week as a team that was really starting to make some strides forward after a rough patch. They, they lost again this weekend. And, and, and you wonder if they could actually miss out on the postseason. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you look at all the talent they have, all the talent they've brought in, and as and you look at that result last week against Orlando, where it really looked like they kind of got off the schneid and just really got back on the roll again. But, you know, there's only so much time left in this season. There are 12 games left. Clint Dempsey is still dealing with injury problems. And if they uh, if these new pieces don't gel, if the guys like uh, like if Ivan Schitz doesn't come, you know, doesn't make an impact or if uh, Valdez was very good in his first game, but if if he isn't a consistent player for them or if, if Dempsey isn't back, they could be in real trouble because they're they're currently tied with San Jose. They've played one more game than San Jose. I, I have a hard time seeing a scenario scenario where San Jose doesn't finish ahead of them just because of all the home games they have. So really, we're looking at Seattle needing to catch Dallas or catch Portland and, and really you know uh, have to make up some ground like they are very much uh you know toward the back of the pack when you look at the teams that are battling for that final playoff spot they're in the team that's in the least enviable position right now yeah seattle plays portland this weekend uh you know if portland can get a win they'll be eight points ahead of seattle that's that's a huge margin uh with not a whole lot of the season left now and i, I think seattle's win last week over orlando was made to look not quite as good by orlando's follow-up performance which was losing by even more to toronto and they they yeah. look like they're just in the middle of a big late season swoon yeah the first half red cards don't help they should probably stop doing that um, five red cards in nine games Unbelievable. Yeah. that's crazy yeah uh and it's a uh, back-to-back games where they're starting right back gets a red card before halftime like that is not a recipe for success uh, uh, orlando showed some promise earlier this year but they had I don't know. A lot of injuries. Uh, obviously, Shea and Molino out for long stretches. Um, injuries at the center back position. That they have uh, Sean St. Ledger leaving the team because he reportedly uh, just didn't fly back with with the club and, then and didn't answer their calls and, and, for two days. Yeah, while they were training, he just was MIA. So that's you know there there are some issues down Seems there. Seems like DC might have dodged a bullet there. I mean, I it wouldn't. I think they kind of. I was really hoping it was Taylor Swift related. I think Taylor right. Swift dodged a bullet too. 
Maybe he was with Taylor Swift, and, and Swift was like, you can't let anybody know where you are. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like, the paparazzi are after us, you know? But it's just a theory, but I mean, it sounds I mean, pretty... is that not I mean, everyone gonna, else's theory? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and break it right now. That, that was the, the real story. I mean, I was like 90% sure that's what happened. At TMC. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or Orlando's just... Uh, and, and they still just have some defensive issues. They brought in uh, Mateos, who's looked meh so far. Aurelian Colin, I feel like, is getting progressively worse. Also, <laughs> also, I think Laren is in a bit of a slump now. He's uh, yeah. He looked like he was a, a shoe in to break the MLS rookie scoring record. He only needed one more goal. And now he's been... Getting stuck getting, on that on that number for the last what like three or four games. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching Kaká scream at him. Oh God, that was uh, last week. He deserved had, it. Yeah, how do you look off Kaká? I don't know, eight yards out, basically, you know, two yards inside the penalty spot, something like that, ten yards out. I, I feel like Kyle Laren in in the penalty box either has a fantastic finish or a horrible, unbelievable mistake. <laughs> Like, there's no in-between for him. Yeah. That's the old... Uh, I'm trying to think who's a player like that. Like a Dominic Oduro. Yeah. I think good, Do- Dom- Dominic Oduro has actually worked really hard over the years to become that player. Because yes. before, he was just the guy who would always make the mistake. <laughs> right. He's getting better. And now yeah. and now he, uh, he's got to hold off Didier Drogba as his backup. Yeah, who yeah. apparently is already injured again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 making you question the future of these big name stars from Europe who are on the wrong side of thirty five. Is Trumper really <laughs> injured? I, He's gonna miss the next game. Yeah, I believe I saw that. Uh, we can confirm, but oh while God. while we're looking that up, like yeah, Drogba and Lampard in particular. I feel like are, when we get these thirty-seven-year-old players, it feels yeah. like well, you're getting something with a terminal illness okay. or something. Here, so he, we don't have much time left. I like mean, you can't miss a game. Like, yeah, okay, you know. so here comparison. Here's kind of a point I I wanted to make. Uh, MLS has gotten the thirty-seven-year-olds in the past, but it was. Like before the DP era, when you got 37-year-old Lothar Mateus or 37-year-old Christo Stoichkov, yeah. they were only making like a few hundred thousand, th- a few hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Now we're in this weird period in MLS where we're throwing millions at these DPs, and, uh, and some of them deserve it. Like 33-year-old Davavia is worth the money. You know, Robbie Keane has been worth the money the entire time in L.A. Beckham was worth the money, you know, when he came to MLS. Henri. Henri, all in their early 30s, or at least, like, mid-30s. But now we're getting the 37-year-olds are coming to MLS, and they're getting six, seven million dollars a year. How much money do you think the fire gives Sean Maloney when he comes back at age 37? (laughs) (laughs) They... Uh, if I don't know where you'd find this, um, somebody tweeted at a spreadsheet comparing all this Chicago Fire DP. Yeah, Jeff pickups. Randall. Yeah, um, please go find that and read it because it's fucking hysterical. My, my... It, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, aside from Blanco, obviously, who's successful, every, everybody else is pretty much a wash. And so, and the point I made is, I I would be challenged to find a single DP on that list who. Or, or aside from Blanco. Who should be getting DP money. Right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say who, when you 
saw his resume before they had played a minute in MLS, you were like, yeah, this guy's a DP. Like, they just pull random players who are playing in, like, Scandinavia or the Netherlands or, you know, Ecuador and give them DP contracts. When they, and you're just like, what are, what are they doing? Who, yeah. Why are they giving Kennedy Igbonanike <laughs> a DP contract? Who is this guy? And you look at his stats and you're like, he was a mediocre to bad goal scorer somewhere in Scandinavia. Like, it, yeah. it makes no sense. And, and, like, so why is anyone surprised when he's a bust? I, and, and that's just in Anangano was that way. And, and even some of the big names they get, like Lundberg and Neri Castillo, were clearly washed up at that point in their careers. It's just been, like, uh, like sheer common sense has been lacking. Yeah, I, I do wonder if, uh, if Lampard and, and Pirlo continue to crash and burn and, Maybe Drogba doesn't have a, a very good time in Montreal. That that this a, this age of dumping millions and millions of dollars at, into players who are well on the wrong side of thirty uh, might start to slow down a little bit in in MLS. Yeah, I mean that that needs to stop now. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we don't even really need to see anymore. I've already pr- proclaimed Didier Drogba a bust. <laughs> <laughs> It see, it seems very likely, honestly, that that, that happens. I mean, he'll, he'll score a couple goals, but yeah. he, I mean, clearly, at thirty-seven, there's there's only so much left that that you have to give. Here, by the way, is the it, we'll do this very quickly. Obviously, we don't have any time left. Um, the Chicago Fire's DP list: uh, Juan Luis Anangano is actually their second most tenured right uh, DP at twenty-eight games. Um, I mean, they 28 have, games, yeah. which they have, they had, they had Mary Castillo, eight games, uh, Aguido Rios, nine games, Pupo, 11 games, Fernandez, 13 games, Maloney, 14 games, David Akam still playing 14 games, Lundberg, who I forgot about 15, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Sergio McDonald, 27. And that McDonald's another, like he was a mediocre forward. who was playing in like the Netherlands and DP. I, I just they, I feel like they don't understand what a designated player is supposed to be. All right, we've uh, we've gone over time here, so we're going to wrap things up. Uh, we'll see you next week. No, we won't. What? Oh, you're going to be in Italy. Okay, yeah. We're going on hiatus. See you guys we'll in a couple s- weeks. See you guys next. Bye. Bye.